at the end of the year, I'm always making plans for the next year. I'm already like dreaming about everything I want to go and experience next year and things I want to undertake. And I love it that we actually have this final week between Christmas and New Year's Eve to, to prepare for the next year. And the thing is, it's good to make plans. It's actually, I think, vital that we keep dreaming about things ahead of us instead of just looking back always in regret and, and, and bemoaning the things that we didn't get or didn't achieve. It's much more productive because our mind will put the rest of our system to work. If we think about things that we want to do, if we, if we put a, a dot on the horizon that we move towards instead of just moving away from things that we don't like or that we're disappointed about. And so the thing is, <laughs> making plans is very good, but at the same time, and this might be a problem or it may actually be something super positive, is that you never know if the, the year that you have planned ahead like that and that you're dreaming about will turn out the way you thought it would. And so in this episode of The Walk, I want to evaluate what happened this past year, what I've learned, what I've discovered, but also where it went in a totally different direction from what I expected uh, at the end of last year when I made my plans. And on this walk last year, I shared with you some of those ideas, some of those projects, and, and a couple of them... Um, became a reality and others just faded away because they turned out to be not that important. And then this year, this past year also brought more than, than usual, a tremendous amount of learning and things that I've discovered about myself, about my, my personal history, about how I function, about my mission, about how I want to be this priest who works in the media as well as in you know, the local local church communities here, and, and also about the integration of all that into the, the single individual person that I am. Instead of having all these different areas in which I'm this Father Roderick for this group, I'm this type of Father Roderick for that group, I've, I think I've gained a lot of clarity about who I am and why I'm here on this planet. And in this episode of The Walk, I want to share with you especially the gains, the, the things that I've learned. They were not always easy. And sometimes a lot of what I learned came after uh, difficult times. But the, the final result is absolutely positive. And, and maybe this can also help you in your own end-of-the-year reflections and evaluations and, and in your plans for for what the next year is going to bring you. By the way, before I forget, Merry Christmas! <laughs> I just finished all the Christmas obligations. The masses have been celebrated in the parish. And of course, I had this wonderful lead-up to Christmas in Rome, where I was so lucky and so happy to experience these this final journey towards Christmas in one of the most beautiful cities on the planet and also in, under circumstances that were so much better 
than I anticipated, especially weather-wise, but also in terms of how much energy I got thanks to something I discovered this year about myself. But let's not get ahead of myself. Let's first take a look at the things that this year brought me. And uh, a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about, I've been trying to share the insights and the lessons learned and the experiences as much as I could with you um, in my podcasts and in my other ways of communicating with you. And I'm really happy um, that you took the time to listen and in some cases even advised me and helped me to discern. Um, This is also one of the things that I appreciate so so much about the work that I do is uh, that a lot of the people that walk with me figuratively and real you know in real life have helped me so much uh, on that journey and so I'll try to give credit as much as I can uh, when I mention some of these lessons learned from you the first thing that made this year so special and so uh, precious to me was that this was absolutely the year of travels. And it feels like this is the first year after the pandemic paralyzed us for, for two years that I'm back to doing what I love doing the most, and that is to explore, to discover new, new cities, new countries, new Uh, people and to um, expand my horizon and that has been an incredible source of energy and motivation and this year has had a couple of notable travels that made me realize how much I missed it how much this is part of who I am Um, I I love working at home in my uh, home studio and I have a lot of great equipment and it's it's fun I, I really like creating videos and podcasts but nothing tops traveling especially if I can combine it with media production that is what I did so uh, there are a couple of 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 longer trips that will stay with me forever because they were so incredible and that was uh, first of all of course my trip to London and to Leicester Uh, because I have a special mention, of course, of the couple of days that I spent with with friends there. And the the reason that I went to London was the Star Wars celebration, which came a year after the Star Wars celebration in, um, in Anaheim in the United States. I remember when they announced it that the next one would be the next year and it would be in London, um, that it was both a shock and a surprise in the sense that I didn't expect it to be like the next year. And I also really was surprised that they were organizing it in London, which was so close to the Netherlands. It's basically just one trip over the pond away. And so I knew back there and then that I had to go, which I did. Um, it was um, a, it was in, 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 in many ways a very memorable experience. Um, and some of the things that I did not expect actually um, uh, I treasure the most. And that is, first of all, discovering London, a city 
that I had never traveled to and that intimidated me because of its size and because I, I had never been there. So it really felt like an adventure leaving my country by boat. That too, traveling by boat is such a different experience than traveling by airplane. And uh, arriving in London and immediately feeling at home. <laughs> yes, it was raining. It was super windy. My umbrella was destroyed in the first two hours that I was walking around in the streets of London. But I so fell in love with that city. I've often compared it to Rome, but without what makes Rome, Rome. Uh, in a sense that it's, it's equally as interesting. Every street corner has history. Um, there, there is beautiful architectures, architecture. Um, there are just so many places that I recognize from the stories that I've read from my childhood until now. And just being able to spend a week in the heart of London and walking around and recording videos and podcasting, it was such a joy. Um, and the only thing I regret is that I did not uh, record a full series of The Catholic Insider, um, which is something that I've only recently decided to pick up again to, um, to continue these so-called sound-seeing tours where I just use audio to bring people along and to paint a mental picture of the places that I visit. I did record a few podcasts that were part of the, the, the existing series of the walk and the break, but I vowed during that week that I would return soon to London to create a full-fledged audio series about this amazing city. Um, it was also wonderful to visit Liz and Michiel in, uh, in Leicester for a couple of days. I was really lucky with the weather. Uh, after the first, I think, two days of rain, the weather started to improve when I was in Leicester. It had quite a bit of sunshine. And uh, uh, it was just such a great addition to the, the whole experience. And then I went back to London for uh, the Star Wars celebration, which actually was maybe the least impressive thing that I experienced because it felt so similar to the one in Anaheim. Uh, it also, in, in some respects, was not as well organized as the one in the United States. And it felt less exotic because, of course, in, in, in the US last year, I was there with uh, Rob's family and I met so many people <laughs> that, uh, that knew me from TikTok and YouTube and had a lot of encounters like that. And it was very different in England. I felt more like every... I had a, a number of wonderful encounters. I um, interviewed a, a number of interesting people, but it was always me who had to make first contact. Whereas in the US, it was more the opposite. Uh, it was as if the community was already there and I stepped in it and I felt immediately uh, part of this family. Whereas in, in London, it was more uh, me who had to reach out to people and start conversations. I'm happy that I did, but it was a different experience. Also, in terms of just overall, um, I don't know, just hype. It, it felt, it was already when, when uh, Disney 
was toning things down. Uh, the, the, of course, we would have the writer strike and the actor strike <coughs> in that year, and so it 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 just didn't have that I don't know freshness of uh, of the Star Wars celebration in in uh, in Anaheim. However, all, all in all, it was wonderful to be traveling again, and uh, it's it, yeah. I just felt like this this is what needs to be part of my life next year as well. I want to take more time to go out, even if it's just for a couple of days, and to uh, change my horizon. It gives so much energy, and uh, it, it I don't know, it's just immediately part of the highlights of the year. The, the, the other trip that I made that was... Uh, a wonderful experience, but also revealing, and that taught me a lot of things, was my vacation to Brittany in France. I loved the region. I loved uh, the various local traditions that we partook, uh, that we took part in. Uh, like the, the the one that I remember the most is this this pilgrimage on an island that was only accessible at certain hours during the day because otherwise the roads would be flooded. I'm trying to... I'm in the woods, by the way, in case you're wondering why you hear all the the the, the sounds of me walking in the mud. I'm trying to negotiate my way over the... alongside the, the various pools in the woods because it's been raining for the entire last week that I was in Rome... Over there, I had sunshine, blue skies. Here, it was as if um, God had forgotten that uh, he promised not to, to never flood the earth again. Right here, people were about to start building arcs. But um, that's why the woods are extremely wet right now. It does feel good, by the way, to be back in the woods after spending a week in Rome with all the traffic and the noise. Just being here in... These quiet woods, despite the rain and the mud, I still love it. Anyway, so the trip to Brittany was wonderful. Hey, and the dogs barking in the distance. Um, and uh, the, but the vacation also revealed, in what I think is almost a definitive way, that this particular type of vacation no longer works for me. Um, having to spend two weeks together with three other priests in a single cottage that we rented, um, getting way too little sleep because I was put in the smallest room with with a broken bed which lacked support in my back and just the overall stress of that situation. I just couldn't cope with it anymore and I've also communicated this to my friends that uh, as far as I'm concerned um, next year I will go on vacation myself and I want to find other ways to keep in touch with my friends but and this also has to do with what I've discovered about myself and why I cannot always um, you know, behave like regular people do during a vacation like that. Um, I, now I understand what is bothering me. And so I'm, I'm going to look for a different way to spend my summer holiday. However, despite the 
kind of testing circumstances uh, of being in that group for two weeks, which really uh, um, I, d I don't think back of with fond memories, even though uh, my friends had a very different experience of the whole week. It was a wonderful trip and I loved being in France again and I especially loved to be in Brittany with its ancient Celtic influences and the music and the religion there. It's a, it's a land of stories. Amazing. Um, the third trip that was, of course, one of the highlights is the one that I just came back from, to Rome. And especially um, being there around Christmas time and seeing the beauty of the city, but also experiencing so many different things. Um, my homily in the Christmas celebrations in the parish here was basically a, a, a retelling of the days that I spent in Rome. And there is at once the, uh, the magic of Christmas, all the beautiful decorations, the nativity scene on St. Peter's Square, the big tree with all the millions of LED lights in various colors, seeing the Pope twice that week. It was all wonderful. But there's also the poverty in the city. There are the homeless people. There is the aggression of the police. There was a... Um, an, an impromptu uh, demonstration of uh, of teens, basically, and the police has acted with so much violence. It's also the like you see this this uh, country change. They have a um, a very let's say hardline government right now, and and you see that especially young people are starting to revolt against that, and it creates a lot of unrest in the country. Um, some of that was also perceptible. And it made me realize that the stories that I share in the Catholic Insider episodes that I recorded about um, political unrest and difficult moments in the history of the country, that's something of all ages. It's something that happens um, in uh, even today. Oh, we've got two excited dogs. Hey, buddy. <laughs> oh, three. Three dogs. Hi. <laughs> And uh, I was turning to a left, hoping that they would continue where I came from. But uh, no, they saw the microphone and they were like, oh, we want to play. But thankfully, this owner had them under control. Whew. All right. Anyway, so lots of uh, interesting experiences. I will um, share a lot of them in, in this series that I'm, I, by the way, also super excited about. This was the discovery, the rediscovery of, um, of what is one of the things I love doing most when it comes to audio production, and that is to record these, um, these discovery tours, <laughs> the, the sound seeing tours. And I think the result is really good. Um, uh, there are some, some very cool, uh, episodes that felt almost as if I reconnected with something I've been doing for most of my media career <laughs> and I don't understand why I ever stopped doing it. So the Catholic Insider is going to be back. This is one of the plans for um, the next couple of weeks in the new year. Uh, we are still w taking our time to prepare the, um, the, the let's say, the what we need to put in place to bring you those podcasts, but they are already available to my uh, higher tier uh, patrons, so the people that support me uh, 
for about 10 bucks a, a month, um, I'm already sharing those episodes in, in pre-release, like uh, an early access. And uh, you know how much uh, I depend on those higher tier patrons to pay the bills. And uh, I even have to develop other plans to create more income streams in the next year. Um, but uh, if you are able to support me at that higher tier at least I have something to give you immediately as a thank you for your support. And that is to get that immediate access to those Catholic Insider episodes that will become available at a much later time in the new year for, uh, for regular listeners. So um, those were the, the travels. I've already decided that I don't need an entire week in, a, in another country like the week in Rome. It was also exhausting because I've been walking every day uh, between 15 and 20 kilometers I recorded almost every day two or three hours of audio material for the Catholic Insider and I slept in a bed that was rock hard and so <laughs> I had to wake up at five at uh, five thirty every morning no it's at six it's not that bad but at 6 30 we had morning prayers and mass in the monastery where I was staying, all that. It did deprive me a lot of, of a lot of sleep. And I'm still paying the price because I, my body is still a bit like recovering from the shock. So n the next couple of trips, I hope to go for about five, six days max. Um, I think that is more than enough to do what I want to do. So I might return to London in the spring of next year. I also really would like to uh, travel overseas again to, uh, uh, to the U.S. to continue uh, connecting with people and parishes there. This also has to do with my coaching plans. We'll get to that uh, in the part that I record, the extra mile that I record for my patrons. What else did this year bring? Well, of course, uh, this was also uh, the year that I lost my father who had been in a care facility for uh, two years, um, who uh, suffered from dementia. And that was also very different from what I imagined it would be. And I've shared this with you in a number of episodes of The Walk, how I uh, felt about that and about the way I processed his, uh, his death and um, the relationship with my parents um, was strange to say the least and uh, is uh, currently um, kind of on pause for, for I think, important reasons. Um, but it's, of course, sometimes it's very different from what you imagine um, the farewell to, uh, to your father would be. I, mean, I always imagined it to be very different from what it actually turned out to be. But that's also sometimes just how life goes. And uh, one of the insights that I had this year is instead of trying to fight against what is, it's oftentimes much better to move along with reality and to see um, what lessons you can learn from that and, um, and to make the best of, of just what it, what's with the cards that you, you're dealt um, knowing very well that 
the morning process is different for each and every one. Um, that sometimes the relationship between children and parents can change over time. Um, and it also has to do with processing. This has really been a year of healing for me um, of many uh, childhood-related trauma, traumatic events, and uh, like internalized uh, behavior that um, has caused a lot of damage in my life and in uh, that of some other family members. And it's uh, this year was really an important year for me to come to terms with that and also to um, make new choices and to rid myself of some of the the, the, the negative parts of my uh, my heritage. Uh, and at the same time, of course, it's also acknowledging everything that was good and everything that was positive. Uh, no one is is just pure negativity or pure positivity. But the, the, your past is a checkered flag of things that were good and things that were 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 detrimental to um, to you and to your future. So anyway, it was a it was an important moment. It affected me less than I thought it would be. Well, it would do, but at the same time, I feel at peace with the given situation, which I see as a positive. Um, this was also, uh, in to continue that line of thought, for me, uh, the year of learning, um, and I credit a lot of that learning to the fact that I um, uh, motivated myself to read even more books than last year. Last year I read about 100 books and this year I set myself the goal of reading 150 books which sounds a bit ADHD <laughs> and I certainly don't recommend this to everyone. Um, I am currently uh, one of the <laughs> downsides of setting such a lofty goal is that this this particular week between Christmas and the New Year I am reading so many books. So just in the f past three days that I'm back from Rome, I've already read more than 10 books because I want to, you know, finish the the quest. I really want to get to 150 books. But the upside of set setting myself that goal is how much I've learned from reading all these different books. Um, some of the uh, most important books that I've read were about... Uh, uh, processing trauma, uh, a lot of psychology that I read, which opened a whole new world of, of insight in, in, in my own behavior, in my past, in the behavior of my parents, and, uh, and also in general. You know, how, how are we pro programmed? How do we live our lives? Um, so that was an important uh, learning process. The second area where I've learned so much is um, about, uh, about the Bible and about theology that is based on the Bible. And uh, this is not just, oh wow, there is a lake here in front of me, like the entire road is underwater. So I, I wonder if there's even a road, if there's a way to go around it without getting my feet all muddy. Well, the thing, the only thing I can do is to just walk into the woods <laughs> where there's no path so I can make a big detour around that area that is so swampy. Whoops. 
almost slipped here. <laughs> My phone is constantly asking me if I want to undo something. If you if you uh, shake the iPhone, um, it it sees that as a the undo function, and so that's how <clears throat> how much I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, shaking and struggling here to get uh, over all these obstacles here. Oh man, there's a dead tree that is blocking the road here now. Oh boy. All right. One thing I like is because it's raining so much, there's hardly any, uh, there are hardly any fireworks. Usually in this week, it's terrible. I don't really like to go outside because of the, all the, the noise of, of firecrackers and stuff. I really don't process that kind of sound very well. But I guess the people that own fireworks are staying inside. <clears throat> All right, so uh, learning about the Bible is not something I just uh, increased my knowledge of biblical, like up- up-to-date biblical research uh, by reading books, but also by um, following a number of scholars on TikTok mostly. And I have to say that that was also sometimes just very challenging. It, <clears throat> at um, one point in the walk I've talked about the deconstruction of of your let's say childhood faith where sometimes you discover uh, that you no longer believe things in the same way that you believed them when you were um, when you were still a child or in my case even when I was a seminarian there are lots of new insights that I've gained this year when it comes to the Bible and it doesn't shake the foundation of my faith but it does put it in a um, it's something you have to adapt to in the sense that data is data. You know, if, if if serious scholars are in agreement about, for instance, the provenance of certain Bible books, um, and I think I shared some of this with you in in a, a few of my podcasts, uh, for instance, the letters of St. Paul, not all of them are likely to have been written by Paul themselves. And... And, and sometimes even contain contradictory advice. It's this whole kind of grown-up way of looking at the Bible, not as the immediate word of God dictated by the Holy Spirit into the ear of the writers. Um, that is a very naive um, way of looking at the biblical tradition and can lead to all sorts of conundrums where the Bible contradicts itself. Well, it's because... Uh, the Word of God is uh, communicated to us through the the various writers in different circumstances, different historical and cultural circumstances. And, we, and in order to truly discern God's will, we need to take that context into account. And I've learned so much about that context that has helped me to better understand how the traditional views that we have... Um, uh, depend on certain interpretations of biblical texts, even a certain interpretation of looking at the tradition, where in the Catholic Church, of course, um, the Bible is not just the uh, the one foundation of what we believe. The tradition and the common, the communal discernment of the Church throughout the centuries is a vital part of understanding how God speaks to us. And it makes sense because this is also the way in which communication works in our day-to-day life. You know, you, the, the things that you 
think now, the way you look at yourself and you look at the world, is the result of a ton of influences and a certain discernment that you make yourself, but also together with, uh, with the people around you. And the way you look at the world and the way you look at your own history changes over time. If it doesn't, <laughs> then maybe you should start to expand your horizon a bit. Um, learning and getting new insights um, may feel a bit disconcerting at first, but it can also really enrich you. And in many ways, <clears throat> I've, I think I've gained a much better understanding of how God is trying to communicate to us and how much there is never an opposition between what science tells us and the things that we learn historically uh, and even archaeology in, 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 on the level of archaeology about you know, the historical part of the Bible and the storytelling part of the Bible, none of that, uh, I think, uh, can, can, can undermine the faith. Uh, if it does, then we're not believing the right thing, I suppose. But it can also help us to constantly relativize our own view of um, what we understand of God's will. And even great theologians like Thomas Aquinas, the Dominican uh, theologian who uh, wrote, who dedicated his entire life to thinking about what God means to tell us, even he at the end of his life told his brothers, you know, everything I've written down is just like, hey, it's, uh, it's worth nothing. It's nothing compared to what I have now experienced in a, in a few moments of enlightenment of, of who God is. And so being able to relativize your own convictions and your, your own tradition to a certain extent, um, I think is, helps you also to be compassionate about people that think differently from you, who have other insights. And instead of seeing them as a threat to my system of beliefs, this year for me was a, truly a year of discovery of how much other insights and people that challenge my beliefs and my interpretation and also add to the knowledge that is, you know, in my case, it's, it's been more than 15 years that I've studied theology, just updating my own knowledge uh, of biblical studies uh, mainly has, uh, has given me so much more room in my faith and to a certain extent and so much more um, interest in in what the world believes and how someone who has not shared my history looks at the Bible, looks at the church, and looks at tradition. So anyway, a year of discovery, a year of learning, which of course is obviously not over, uh, and I will continue to, uh, to read more. My appetite is, is back in, uh, in uh, continuing my formation when it comes to Bible studies and, and theology. Um, the final thing I wanted to share with you that has been uh, life-changing is something that happened in the past few months, the most recent development in my life, and that is obviously discovering my own manual. <laughs> like, who am I and why am I the way I am? Discovering that, the, uh, at least in my opinion, very, very high likelihood that I have ADHD that has never been diagnosed. But by <laughs> thanks to the algorithm of TikTok, I started to acknowledge 
has been a massive, massive blessing understanding why my brain functions the way it does and what are the pitfalls of having ADHD and knowing how to work with it has been literally life-changing. The most important um, fruit of that journey to understanding myself is not just understanding what ADHD is and why I think I check almost all the boxes, but um, it is accepting myself. And instead of always trying to, to, to fight with myself and, and having that judgmental inner voice that tells me, why can't you do what normal people do? Understanding that I am not normal in the sense that I, it, it's not the norm to have ADHD. So that I uh, have neurodivergent uh, uh, aspects has been, um, has been a source of, of inner peace beyond anything else that I've gained this year. And uh, I'm still learning every day, um, understanding... But most of all, recognizing what is what. So what is genuine inspiration, creativity, something I need to follow up on. And when is it ADHD? And it's this sense of urgency that everything has to be done now or yesterday. And I want to do this and I want to do that without any, any idea of how much time or resources it takes to realize all those wild plans. Understanding that that is part of what a lot of people who have ADHD experience every day, getting to know a number of people that have the same affliction. You know, my, my brother has ADHD. My, um, my, the family of my, my sister, uh, there, uh, uh, there's at least one case of ADHD. Knowing that this is part of what makes me me, with also a lot of positive sides, the fact that I can talk easily for an hour without having to pause one single second um, uh, and thinking about what I'm going to say, it, it's, it's one of the advantages of having ADHD. <laughs> I come up with ideas at a very dazzling speed. And, and this probably is also one of the reasons that I, that I am good at, at, at preaching and podcasting. Anyway, so... Uh, but but having those insights, learning who I am and how what my manual is, has also uh, I think already helped me to better discern what to do and how to prepare for the next year. Knowing that one of my um, I would say biggest handicaps next to all the advantages of having an ADHD brain, but to know that one of my handicaps is that I am unable to gauge time, to estimate time. And this is also the case when I'm recording a podcast, you know. I have no idea how long I've been talking. This is why I have my watch. And I look at the time and I see, oh my gosh, I'm already like at, at almost 40 minutes. I have no no possibility to estimate some, how much time something costs when I'm in the process of doing something and also beforehand. And that, of course, is makes planning and also discernment, common discernment, so important. To, so to have these weekly uh, meetings with Inge where we, go, where we look to Inge as our community manager, in case you're a new listener, 
where we have every week, the beginning of the week, we have this uh, hour where we look at. So these are things that we could do, but what is actually feasible and how much time do we need? And learning to, um, first of all, to discern, okay, so what is really essential? And then secondly, what is feasible and taking enough time to develop the things that we do has already prevented so many moments of frustration and stress. Whereas in the past, especially this week between Christmas and New Year, I was so tempted to do... I always told myself, I'm going to just read books and play video games. And then I ended up working even harder than I normally do during the year. That is one of the downsides of having ADHD that is undiagnosed and me not being able to relativize a lot of those feelings of urgency. So anyway, hopefully this will continue to guide me next year and help me so much to find a certain balance that works for me. That's all I wanted to share with you in this last episode of The Walk this year. Um, Stay tuned for, uh, I think, one of the best years uh, in my life that is ahead of me. Um, I will already share some of those uh, plans for, for 2024 with my, my patrons, my, the people that uh, work with me to realize my mission. And uh, you know if you want to get those longer episodes, the premium episodes, um, and, and you are able to support me at a higher tier, there are now a lot of reasons for you to do so. And uh, I hope that you can see this as an investment, not just uh, not something that just weighs on your budget in terms of, uh, you know, uh, is this worth it? But that you see this as a way to help me do um, what a lot of other people in the church and outside of the church are unable to do. Um, and I... I've dedicated my life to reaching out and helping to tell stories and help people on their walk of life and walk of faith. Um, And with your patronage, you help me do that. Um, So it's not just an investment for yourself. It's also an investment for so many other people that are the beneficiaries of uh, the work that I'm able to do thanks to you. All right. Um, Already uh, wishing you... A very blessed new year, and I hope to stay in touch in the months to come. God bless.